Welcome to Gestational Diabetes Club. I'm your host, Helena, dietitian, nutritionist, vegetable enthusiast, and big fan of strong coffee and dark chocolate. Join me here each week to chat about all things gestational diabetes. We'll cover everything you need to know about your nutrition, lifestyle, and all the messy bits in between so that you can feel empowered to optimize your blood sugar, grow a healthy baby, and create sustainable healthy habits to last a whole lifetime without the stress, overwhelm, guilt, or confusion. Thanks so much for joining me, and I hope you love it here. So today I'm going through five mistakes you could be making with your gestational diabetes diet. And if you are somebody who feels like having gestational diabetes absolutely sucks and that you hate everything you're eating and you just can't wait for it to be over, you need to listen to this episode. Now, firstly, I am not denying that having GD sucks. It does. It's really challenging. It's really tough. I wouldn't really wish it on anybody. Like, you know, there's so many things that you have to be thinking about all the time. And of course, you have to be paying attention to your carbs, testing your blood sugar, usually four times per day, overthinking everything, thinking about when you're going to eat, when you're going to test, all the logistics that go along with that. I know that it can feel like an absolute mental battleground. And, you know, couple that with all of the emotional turmoil that you might be feeling and just the devastation that I know a lot of people go through when they're first being diagnosed and then all the overwhelm of information and trying to find out, you know, what you should be doing. It's tough. It's really tough. So I'm not trying to diminish that and tell you that gestational diabetes is a walk in the park or anything like that. But these are five mistakes you could be making with your diet that make it suck a little bit more than it needs to. So let's get into it. Number one is swearing off every crumb of bread and grain of rice, so all of your carbohydrates, for the sake of lower blood sugar numbers. Now, this is a big one. I know that a lot of people really cut the carbs. It's like you hear gestational diabetes and carbs go completely out the window. And, you know, I don't blame you if that's the line of thinking that you've gone down, because I think that's really common. It's really commonly represented that if you have diabetes, then you can't eat carbohydrates. And of course, it makes logical sense because when we eat carbohydrates, our blood sugar goes up. And so if we remove the carbohydrates, theoretically, our blood sugar will not go up. And so we'll be in a better position. However, When it comes to insulin resistance, which is what you're dealing with with gestational diabetes, so quick refresher, the hormones that are produced from your placenta and any other underlying reasons that you might have insulin resistance are kind of blocking the action of the insulin. And insulin normally would be transporting sugar out of your bloodstream and into the cells. So insulin isn't working at its best. And what we actually know is that if you reduce your carbs and you essentially cut them out, and then if by kind of default you're increasing the amount of protein and fats that you're eating, then insulin resistance can actually be exacerbated. And that's usually more of a longer term thing, so that would happen over time, but you don't really want to start that habit whilst you've got gestational diabetes. And there's a couple of other things that can happen as well. And One of those things is another hormonal process whereby if we take out the carbohydrates, we can kind of get this rebound effect where your body wants carbohydrates because it's our body's preferred fuel source. So it finds 
carbs in other ways. So it'll start producing its own really, and it, it can take it out of the liver. So take some glucose out of the liver and put that into the bloodstream so that your brain and your muscles have some kind of energy to utilize. So that can be more profound if you're not eating the carbohydrates because your body wants to get the sugar from somewhere. So there are two reasons that cutting carbohydrates out can actually backfire and increase your blood sugar. And there's other benefits as well of keeping carbohydrates in your diet. We get energy and we get fiber, which helps keeping everything moving through your digestive tract nice and smoothly. And we all know that constipation can be a rampant issue when you're pregnant. So we want to keep things digesting and moving smoothly. And we also get micronutrients, things like folate and other B vitamins from whole grains, which are types of carbohydrates. And we know that that is absolutely critical to be getting enough of during pregnancy. And yes, you're taking a prenatal supplement, hopefully, but we also still want to be optimizing those micronutrients in your diet where you can, because that prenatal supplement might not actually cover your whole um, recommended intake. And we also just tend to enjoy carbohydrates and you really don't need to be depriving yourself and you don't need to be feeling super hungry because if you've cut out your carbohydrates and that's making you feel really dissatisfied with your meals and feeling quite hungry and a bit depleted, then you're A, less likely to be able to engage in things like physical activity, which we know can have a profound blood glucose lowering effect. B, you're just going to hate your life. Um, and you might be depriving your body of the energy that it really, really needs to be able to grow your baby. And there, there has been research to suggest that when carbohydrates have been cut out, that there are poorer outcomes in terms of the growth of your baby. So I'd really encourage you to not completely cut out your carbohydrates, be sensible about including them, work with your care team and find out the amount that works for you. But don't keep dropping them and dropping them and dropping them if your blood sugar levels are going higher because often, as especially as your pregnancy progresses, that's not necessarily related to your diet and you still need to be eating enough food to support your own functioning and to support the growth of your baby. So it is just not worthwhile to be completely restrictive in your diet for the sake of better blood sugar numbers and your team will know that too. So if that means that you need to take insulin, that's okay. That's not a failure and insulin is an amazing medication we have available to us and we're so fortunate to have that available to us. And it just doesn't mean that you failed in any way if you need to take insulin, okay? So you need to be eating enough food and if taking insulin gets you there, that's okay. So I'm not trying to say that I'm, you know, trying to put everybody on insulin so that they can keep eating loads of carbohydrates. That's not the message here. The message is that you don't need to completely cut out your carbohydrates for the sake of lower blood sugar numbers and everybody is going to be different. Mistake number two is cutting out all of your favorite foods. So whether that be a piece of chocolate after dinner or you really like to bake at home or you really love going out for dinner with your friends and family or you've got somebody's birthday and you wanted to have a piece of birthday cake, you don't actually have to cut all of those things out. There are definitely ways that you can include them safely. And so it's really not about deprivation and total restrictions. So Again, I'm not here advocating for you to go and just eat and live off chocolate and cake and things like that. That's that's not what I'm getting at. 
But there are certain times and certain ways that you can include things like this without really doing any detriment to your diet. And the way that I tend to look at things in a, in a more broad context than gestational diabetes is that if your diet revolves predominantly around whole foods, so things that are minimally processed or don't come from packages, um, and you're getting your serves of whole grains and fruits and vegetables and proteins and calcium, you're getting all of the things that you need, right? Then if some bits and pieces like a piece of chocolate here and there start to creep in, then does it really matter in the overall context? Probably not because we know that we're ticking off all of those nutritional boxes. Now, when it comes to gestational diabetes, obviously you need to be a little bit more cautious of things that are high in sugar because that's going to have a bigger impact on your blood sugar levels. But you can be smart about it. And so if you're having something that's just a small little treat, my biggest tip would be to just have it straight away after a meal. Don't wait. So don't wait for everything to digest and settle before you have whatever your little dessert is going to be. Have it straight away. And then ideally, all of the other balanced components of your meal, like the protein and the healthy fats and all the fiber, you're going to buffer that. And it's going to help really balance out any effect on your blood sugar levels. And that, re- that depends on this be- just being a small treat, and I wouldn't recommend doing it all the time, but that's one way that you can go about it. The other thing to keep in mind is if you've got something really special coming up, like maybe it's your baby shower or you've got a wedding, something along those lines, most healthcare professionals are pretty okay with the occasional higher blood sugar number if we know where we can trace it back to. And again, as a disclaimer, this is not me encouraging you to go and actively eat things that are going to spike your blood sugar levels. It is me saying that if we know where that high number has come from and if it's planned, it's not going to do any damage. One off high blood sugar number is not generally an issue. We're looking at overall trends. So if most of the time your blood sugar numbers are within your target range and they're not too concerning, you're not having lots of high numbers all the time, then the occasional high, it's not a cause for concern. It's not going to do any damage to your baby. So you don't really need to worry about it too much. So again, don't go overboard. But if you've got something special coming up, I'm of the opinion that it's okay to enjoy yourself and it can really just ease your mind when you look at it that way. The other way that you can approach this, which is similar to what I said at first, is to just look at how you can balance out whatever the food is that you want to have. So maybe it's even if you're going out for dinner, um, just make sure that you can look for where you can include a source of protein, some healthy fats, and they have a reasonable amount of carbs. Or if there's some kind of treat, like you really want to have some kind of baked good, like you want to have a muffin, then okay, let's include it as part of a more well-rounded plate. So can we add some other bits and pieces to that? Like maybe can we have a smaller muffin and add some yogurt or some nuts or something along those lines so that we can buffer the effect that it's going to have on your blood sugar levels and also give you some more nutritional benefits in the process. Number three is relying really heavily on keto and paleo versions of everything. I see this quite a lot online, people really gravitating towards those more like keto-friendly, no-carb, zero-sugar kinds of things. 
And I guess it relates a bit to my first mistake that I talked about in terms of not needing to cut out all of your carbohydrates. But also, I just feel like with these products, they're probably not the most ideal thing for your health. So routinely consuming them is not something that I would recommend. Now, I don't want to demonize them because it's not like they're going to be completely detrimental and you're not ruining your health every time you eat one. And they can be super convenient. They can be super delicious as well. Um, and they can be handy. They can be nice to include every now and again. But over-reliance on them, I think, is problematic for a couple of reasons. So when something's ultra-processed, we just generally know from the research that that's not ideal and isn't associated with positive health outcomes. And I wonder if having those sorts of things in your diet, whether it be bars or all sorts, all sorts that you can get, if that is displacing other things that might have more benefits in your diet. So let's say you're always reaching for like a particular keto or paleo type of bar for a snack. Does that mean that you're not getting in something like some yogurt and fruit or nuts or crackers or you know what I mean like you it might mean that you're not getting in some of those whole foods that you need to get lots of when you're pregnant especially because we need to be optimizing all of those nutrients to pass on to your baby and to make sure that your own nutrient stores stay nice and topped up and don't get depleted throughout pregnancy and birth and breastfeeding so does it mean that you're not eating enough of those sorts of foods And the other thing is that often these sorts of products, because they don't contain carbohydrates, are usually pretty high in saturated fat. And as I touched on before, a high intake of saturated fat in the diet can exacerbate insulin resistance. So doesn't bode well for your blood sugar in the longer term. So just some things to think about. Like I said, I don't think that we need to completely abolish these products. Uh, but I don't think that, and another thing actually I should mention is that I don't think that they're ideal either for your gut health. And often they'll be using things like lots of artificial sweeteners and things like that, which I speak cautiously about because we don't have a lot of research yet into the longer term effects of artificial sweeteners. So I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole in this episode, but if they don't seem to be ideal for our gut. And especially, like I said before, If it means that you're not eating other sorts of foods that are going to be more beneficial, other types of whole foods, then your gut bacteria would be having a much better time consuming things that are going to give it nutrients and benefits and, you know, the things that your gut bacteria likes to feed off. So we could be doing ourselves a few favors by replacing these foods with more whole food options. So you don't need to completely cut them out, but just some food for thought there. Mistake number four is living off meat and cheese. And this is a bit of a silly one, but I do see this a fair bit where you think, ah, well, I can't eat carbs, but I can eat all the cheese in the world and I can eat all the steak and all of the barbecue or whatever it is for you because it doesn't raise your blood sugar. Um, And all I can say here is your bowels must hate you if this is you. You really need to be getting in all of the fiber from whole grains and fruits and vegetables and things like that so that you can keep everything moving through and digesting properly and keep your bowels working. 
Um, but also, of course, you still need to be getting in all of the nutrients from the other food groups and things that you need to be including in your diet. So just because it doesn't spike your blood sugar doesn't mean that it's a good dietary pattern to be following. Okay. So please don't just eat the things that don't spike your blood sugar and forget about the quality of the rest of your diet. I'm essentially repeating myself here, but if you're over consuming things that are high in protein and saturated fat, then you may be exacerbating your insulin resistance in the longer term. And if you're not consuming all of the other types of food groups that you need to be getting in, then you're probably not going to be meeting your micronutrient requirements, which are crucial during pregnancy to make sure that your baby gets the best start in life. Now, mistake number five is treating gestational diabetes and your diet during this time like it's just a short-term thing. It can be really tempting to be thinking to yourself, oh, I've just got to get through six weeks or however long it might be for you, and then you can go back to normal and eat whatever you like again. And I really want to challenge that. As much as it can be helpful to keep the light at the end of the tunnel in mind, and I totally understand that because having GD is arduous. Like it's, it's relentless. You don't ever really get a break from it, of course. Like it's the one thing that's always going to be on your mind. But in terms of your diet, it can be considered that pregnancy is like a stress test for your body and things that were going to show up later in life tend to show up then. So when you hear the things about like you're more likely to get type 2 diabetes if you've had gestational diabetes, it's the fact that you are probably likely to get type 2 diabetes anyway and the fact that you got gestational diabetes gives us a clue about that rather than having gestational diabetes be the risk factor itself, if you understand what I mean there. So the insulin resistance might have been underlying and been exacerbated in pregnancy, and so now we know that somewhere in your future, diabetes is more likely. But not everybody is at the same level of risk. And so if you start making changes, particularly to your diet and your lifestyle, and you continue those changes then you can reduce your level of risk of developing diabetes and also things like cardiovascular disease because having GD also puts you at a higher risk of heart disease and things like that. So I really challenge you to not look at this as a short-term thing that you have to get through and to think about it really seriously and think how can you change your diet now in a way that is going to be sustainable and start developing habits that, you know, impact your whole lifestyle. So things like your movement, your physical activity, your sleep, your stress, your hydration, all of those types of things. How can you start implementing things that mean that you have the best chance later on at reducing your risk of type 2 diabetes, lowering your amount of insulin resistance and optimizing your health? And the other thing to remember is that during gestational diabetes, you're also completely responsible for feeding your baby. And same if you're breastfeeding, if you're able to breastfeed or you choose to. You are responsible for providing all of your baby's nutrition at that point. And we know that the first 1,000 days of your baby's life, so that includes pregnancy, are absolutely critical in terms of their development and not just their development as a child, for their longer-term health outcomes as well. 
what we do in that first 1,000 days can be predictive of chronic diseases and things that might show up later when your child is an adult. So you might not be able to see those long-term outcomes now, but you've got to keep them in the back of your mind. And so I really, really, really strongly urge you to treat gestational diabetes like it's the wake-up call you needed, if you needed one, to start really getting on top of things and start prioritizing yourself and start prioritizing your health and learning about your diet. You don't need to resent it because it doesn't need to suck. Like I've outlined, you don't need to be restricting yourself. You can still enjoy food. You can still keep in things like carbohydrates. You can learn how to construct a balanced meal. You can still be eating snacks and things like that. And, you know, you can still be enjoying your diet, but it might take a bit of a perspective shift and to really think to yourself, like, was your diet beforehand actually serving you? And I know that for some of you listening, you are already people who have been trying to maintain a healthy diet and an active lifestyle and doing your best. And that's so, so great. And I want you to keep doing that. But also it might pay off to educate yourself a little bit more about nutrition because I know that a lot of people um, might think they're doing the right thing. And I'm not trying to criticize anybody here, but there's so much misinformation out there that I get asked things like, you know, do bananas make you fat? And for me, that's just like bonkers. I'm like, well, people still really think like that. But if you've got questions like that where you think that you know something that's still worth checking in with a professional and getting answers to the questions that you might have or that you don't even know that you have. Um, and if you are somebody who hasn't really been paying attention to your diet or your lifestyle for whatever reason, and, you know, I know that your diet and your lifestyle can't always be a priority because you might have other things going on in your life, like you might have a really hectic job, you might have a crazy household, might be all sorts of stress going on, and so you sometimes... This stuff just gets put on the back burner. I get that. It's not because you're a bad person or failing or you're lazy. I flatly don't believe that. But it, it might be time to reprioritize and shift your perspective, like I said before, to consider what really is important at this point. And I would argue that really prioritizing your health and your well-being and you know taking steps to continue to prioritize that and make sure that it can stay a priority and that you've got the tools to be able to continue eating and living in a way that supports your health without it needing your full attention in the longer term, you really should be focusing on that. This is something that I just feel so strongly about that gestational diabetes really doesn't have to be this um, this sense of doom, this sense of, you know, that now you have to give up everything that you love and mean that you're going to have all these negative health outcomes in the future or that you just have to get through this really hellish few weeks and then you're good to go back to eating whatever else you were eating. I just feel so strongly that you can actually see some silver linings here and think, right, this is exactly exactly the trigger that I needed to start making those changes that I know that I want to be making to optimize my health and give me and my baby the best chance in our future. So I really, really encourage you to look at it like that. And I know that saying things like finding silver linings in gestational diabetes can be so hard to hear when you're in the thick of it. 
I get that. So I'm sorry if you hate me right now for saying these things, but I really do think that it is a little silver lining, that it is a little bit of a push if you needed one to get you thinking about what you are doing in terms of your diet and lifestyle and to start really taking care of yourself. And now that is everything for today's episode. And if you found this helpful and if you found the previous episodes helpful, then I would love it so much if you could leave a rating and review because it really helps to support the podcast, support me to continue creating episodes, and it helps other people find these episodes as well because I know there's so many people out there who are struggling with gestational diabetes and who don't have resources to turn to. So it would mean the world to me if you could help support this show by leaving a rating or review or sharing it to somebody else or even sending me a DM with your feedback. I would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for topics. And my Instagram handle is nutrition.by.helena. So I would love to hear from you and I would really love if you could show your support in some way. And the other thing for me to mention is that if this did spark your interest and you are keen to start taking more control over your gestational diabetes diet or your diet post-gestational diabetes, then I am currently offering six-week coaching, individualized coaching, so in a one-on-one capacity where I provide meal plans and weekly support and daily support actually. So weekly check-ins as well as daily support through a messaging app just to make sure that we can communicate on the fly and I can understand what's going on with the trends of your blood sugar levels and we can adjust things day by day. You don't have to wait till your next appointment. Um, so that's going really well for the people that I'm currently working with and I would love to invite you also to join me and have me as your coach if you would like that, if you think that you would benefit from that. So you can always send me a DM. That's probably the easiest way to get in touch about that at the moment because I haven't fully formalized this offer. So I'm still running it at a reduced rate um, and it will become a more formalized offer in the future. But I just thought that I would invite all of my beautiful podcast listeners. If you would like to work with me one-on-one in that capacity, then please get in touch because I would love to help you. But that is it. And I hope that you're having a beautiful morning, day or night, wherever you are. And I will chat to you soon. Bye. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't already, please make sure that you subscribe or hit the plus button so that you can get new episodes delivered straight to your podcast app every week. And if you did find this episode useful, I would appreciate it so, so much if you could leave a rating and review or share it with a friend. It helps me reach more people so that I can help them take some of the stress out of gestational diabetes too. And if you want to keep learning about all things gestational diabetes, head to my website to find all the ways that I can support you. Thanks so much. Chat soon. Bye.